You're listening to the Bookkeepers Podcast with the 6FB, the weekly podcast for bookkeepers. Every week, we'll be talking about what's new in the bookkeeping world. And here are your hosts and founders of the Six Figure Bookkeeper, Joe Wood and Zoe Whitman. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to day three of Bookkeepers Bootcamp. I'm Zoe Whitman. I'm here with Joe Wood. Hi, Joe. Hi. We're also joined by lovely Carl Reader. Hi, Carl. How are you? Hey Zoe, hey Joe, that's the first time I've been referred to as lovely, so I'm going to take that one and remember it. <laughs> it's all part of my bio now, can't it? It we is. Have lovely people come and chat with us. Um, I wouldn't use it. What word should I have used? Where did I go wrong there? What would you like? Oh, how you would can, you like to be described? You can, you can use whatever word you want, Zoe. <laughs> Let's stick with lovely. I like lovely. <laughs> um, so for anyone joining us this is part of our free week-long challenge and um, it's called bookkeepers Bootcamp. we're here to help you build your confidence so that you can take your bookkeeping practice forward whether you've been trading for years and you want to take things to the next level or you're thinking about starting a practice and you really want to build some confidence we're addressing all areas of your business loads of personal stuff as well we've got free sessions running live in our facebook group the six figure bookkeepers club every day this week so we started on monday we're going through right till sunday we're live at 1 p.m and 8 p.m every day then tomorrow which is the 25th of march we're going to be we've got seven sessions basically take the day off um we've we've got seven sessions for you tomorrow covering everything from gosh visualization and um confidence about personal finances and pr and all sorts of things going on so hope you'll join us for those but if you're here with us now in the facebook group we're we're going to make this as interactive as we can let us know whether you're hashtag live or watching the replay and um ask your questions because carl has kindly offered to answer your questions see he's lovely he's offered to answer your questions so, um, <laughs> we'd love to answer any questions we've got we're going to keep this really casual just want to have a chat with carl really um when we invited you onto the on to have a chat with us today carl we said we were doing this boot camp about building confidence and you confessed that you didn't have any issues with confidence <laughs> so i think there's a lot we can learn from you yeah sure so um look, i'll try and help as much as i can but it's um it's always a challenging subject to talk about for somebody who finds it comes quite naturally although you know what if i was to if i was to look back it hasn't always come naturally and you know maybe maybe that's something that we can explore a bit more about some of the um i guess the tools and techniques that i used along the way um particularly when it comes to public speaking and so on yeah absolutely and i mean so many of our members our bookkeepers might not be having to do public speaking at the moment but sometimes it's that first conversation with a new client a potential client you know and um they they can get themselves really in a bit of a tiz about what am I going to say? How do I say it? Um, and then they worry so much about that that they kind of they just panic. How how can we get a bit more confident about having those initial conversations with our prospects? Okay, so that's a really good question, and you know, I, I think if I if I give a bit of background to myself and. I guess where my experiences of this have come from, um, I've employed probably um, two to 300 accountants in my time. So I've seen lots of different shapes and sizes of character. Um, but one of, the, one of the common threads is, as you say, they don't necessarily have confidence as a defining personality trait. Um, so I, I can completely understand and empathize with that. And I think one of the other challenges 
is that there are um, a few of us, yeah, myself included, with confidence who go out there and say, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. And it's all well and good sitting there watching the YouTube videos or the webinars or the podcasts, hearing somebody say it. But the reality is taking that theory that sounds very good and is delivered in a very slick format and actually applying it in your business, that's the challenge when um, confidence is an issue. So for me, um, what I would really do is I would look at the, I guess, the techniques that I used when it came to starting my speaking career would apply equally. Um, and let, let me tell you about my, my very first speaking slot was amazing. Okay. It was in front of 20 martial artists. I was booked for half an hour. I spoke for two and a half hours. I loved it. I think they absolutely hated it. My second one, I've been told I'm not allowed to swear, so I'm not going to swear. But my spe second speaking slot, I died on my feet. Let, let's use feet rather than what I was going to say. I died on my feet on stage after about two seconds. You know, the dry mouth, my hands were shaking. All of the nervous things that you could imagine were really coming through. And I doubt the audience even noticed, but I certainly did. And it, um, you know, it dented my confidence and I had to work on it. And ultimately, what pulled me through was a combination of a few things. The first was um, actually identifying why I should be on stage as opposed to anyone else. The second was constant and never-ending improvement, repetition, practice, and gradually scaling up what I did. You know, day after day, week after week, month after month. If there's an audience of one, I treated it as better than an audience of none. So how do we apply that to bookkeepers and accountants who've heard that they should be doing this stuff? And, you know, bookkeepers in particular, I probably see in all of this nonsense that, um, you know, you should be doing advisory and you should be, um, you know, selling all of these products and services and you should be value billing your clients, not time and all of this stuff, which is probably really overwhelming if you struggle to sell the core services. The very first thing I would say is to identify what it is about you that sets you apart from any other bookkeeper. So I can guarantee that every attendee to this call, I don't know how many people we've got on this call, we could have um, we could have five, we could have 500. Everybody's got something unique about them that no one else has. And it's not necessarily, in fact, it's almost certainly not that you're great at being a general bookkeeper. It could be something about your hobbies or it could be about your background or experiences or the kind of businesses you like working with. There will be something where you stand out compared to any other bookkeeper and you know that you absolutely dominate that world. So for me, it was originally martial arts schools. I worked with um, about 200 martial arts schools across the UK and then it was franchising. So I've gone very much on a sector-led experience basis. Um, others go, you know, others, it can be as simple as you like dogs and you just have a natural rapport with other dog owners. It, it could be something as simple as that, but identify what it is, you know, what, what your superpower is that you can bring out, bring to the table. And then you just need to practice this stuff as well. Um, and when it comes to having these conversations, you need to understand what value can your um, superpowers, we call it, what can that bring to the table? So if it's, for, for example, you are um, a bookkeeper who's excellent at, um, I don't know, free agent, for example, I'm picking a package that's relatively popular, but not mainstream, I would say. If it's that you're excellent at free agent, how does that benefit your end customer? You know, work on that, and then that's the stuff that you need to convey. Um, whatever it is, you need to find out how you convey that superpower to the end customer. But most importantly, you need to convince yourself.
because regardless of how you price, if you use software or not, whatever you do, you've got two different ways of having that discussion. So, Joe, I'm going to take you on as a bookkeeping client. Okay. Now, as a bookkeeping client, I can guarantee you that I'm going to save you £5,000. I've already identified these tax savings of £5,000. And it's only going to cost you £200 per month. So that means that in year one, we split it 50-50. Joe, does that work for you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm, I'm in. Okay. But Zoe... Um, yeah, I've um, I've looked. I think we can make some tax savings, but I need to double check the legislation. And I'm not so sure, and um, yeah, it's um, it's going to cost five hundred. Yeah, five hundred pounds. Um, is that okay, Zoe? That's really interesting. So I think so many of us find us in that find ourselves in that situation and just doubting ourselves and thinking, yes. ah, are they going to say um, yes? I don't even know. This is it, and the problem is we know what it's worth deep down. Yeah, we've got the best pricing tool between our ears. We, um, we've we got the experience. We've done bookkeeping for ages. Um, but the confidence in which it's delivered is, you know, that is key. Unfortunately, it comes from repetition, repetition, repetition. Once you've worked out that value and you know what you bring to the table, it's about, you know, looking in the whites of the eyes of your customer and having that difficult conversation. Oh my goodness. That is just so, I love, I love the fact that we all need to find our superpower. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, and, and, and I was very honest last night on our call and explained a lot about how I've had failure in business and actually I've had failure and I'm honest about it. So I find that a bit of my, as my superpower, because I understand when someone's got a failing business, I understand what they're feeling and going through. And, and what I do know in deep down in my heart is that I'm going to do my best for that client and I will give the best value I can. So I think if we go into, into these calls knowing that we are going to do our best and that we will um, we'll, we'll try everything. And yes, we might not have all of the answers for every question, but if you if you just go in there with the conviction of like, I know I can help you. I know that we can work together and that you are going to be better off for working with me. That's that confidence speaks volumes because when we're looking for someone to provide a service, we don't, we want someone that knows what they're doing. <laughs> Completely. And look, there's a few other bits to this as well. And um, I, here I told you that I wouldn't be one to talk about confidence, but um, here's me, I guess, blagging my way through and talking about confidence. Um, the first thing is that true emotional depth of feeling about it and truly getting that we're helping our customer. If we feel like we are ripping them off in some way if we feel you know if we feel a bit uncomfortable like oh my god I, you know I, I really don't believe that i can offer this service i don't believe i can live up to these promises or so on that comes through and you know what they say dogs can smell fear uh, humans can smell fear too um there's something else that humans can smell but i was told that i can't um swear so i'm not going to say what humans can smell but they can sense it. And when it comes to having conversations um, about more technical areas, as you say, Joe, it is so much more powerful and there's so much more integrity in being honest and advising where you can and not advising where you can't. You know, again, so if we were to have the conversation and Joe, if I was to come to you and pretend to know the answer to every single VAT tax, inheritance tax, um, PAYE, international accounting standard question that you might have, 
that would actually be less authentic than the conversation I'd have with Zoe, where with Zoe, I could be saying, um, oh, Zoe, do you know what? I'm, I'm not an expert in this, but I know someone who is, and I know that red flag, and I'm going to find out for you. Um, and having that, what happens is you get to a point of authenticity as well in the way that you do things. And when you can be authentic and personable with your clients or prospects, when you can just be yourself rather than what you believe you need to be, that's when the magic really happens. Because Joe, as you've said, you can talk about your failures. Um, you can talk about your personal interests. You can talk about your family. You can talk about whatever it is that you want to bring to the table. And then rather than having just a business relationship with somebody, it actually moves into that strange hybrid of colleague and friend. And then mm -hmm. when you get to that stage, that's when um, confidence actually isn't an issue because it's like us having a conversation now. Absolutely. And that's what I've tried to, we was talking about this last night, how I've tried to grow a, a business with friends. They are my clients, but when they phone, I actually get excited and think I can't wait to catch up. And, you know, it's a nice conversation. And then that confidence does improve because as well, do you know what, when you're speaking to a friend, they are they are um, really good at telling you what you're good at as well. And they go, wow, I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for that. They say thank you. And they're, mm. and they're you know, they're really happy. I've just got off a sales call, actually. I had one um, between 12 and 1. And, um, and this is a, an important point as well to note that people that are coming to you, they don't also know what they need. So uh, I was just asked. Um, so we, they said, right, we need the limited company set up. Um, we've checked the we checked the name. We need this, and also we need you to sort out um, the trademarking, and and a shareholders agreement. So I then have to say, that's great. I'm so pleased you know everything that you need. But you know, I'm not I'm not a lawyer. I can't do the shareholders agreement for you. But I will. I can I can put you in touch with somebody that can do that. Also, trademarking isn't. A bookkeeper accountant's role so that is you need another specialist for that it's also it's you you have to be confident enough to say what is outside of the scope that you are happy to um to provide Absolutely. and I think at the beginning and I know this is tough when you first start having those conversations you think am I meant to do that mm. do I need to look into that so you know by saying do you know what all and we say this all the time to our bookkeepers Choose what it is you want to do. We're so lucky. There are so many different elements to what we can offer. If you only want to do um, cash flow forecasting and you don't want to do anything else, you can choose to do that. If you only want to do VAT returns and be a VAT return queen, you can do that. Choose what it is you want to do and stand in your power and say, this is what I'm offering, but I am the best at this. And Complete, this is what you're going to get. Completely agree. You know, um, most of us have ended up being in business because we don't want to work for somebody else. And then what we do, we end up falling into the trap of working for our clients instead. And instead of having a boss we can't say no to, we have clients we can't say no to. The most powerful language, uh, powerful word in the language is no. And um, by knowing who it is you want to serve and what you want to do, then that puts some amazing power in you. And, and here's a question for the audience. How many clients have they sacked? Because I know, you know we, we try to really refine the clients who come through into our business to make sure that they're in our niche and that they're the kind of clients we want to work with. But we still um, sack clients as well if they don't fit our culture, if they don't fit our way of doing things, and we're happy to lose them. So um, it is really powerful to have that ability to turn away work and to know what you're good at. And yeah, there's a couple of... Um, 
I, I guess, techniques that you can use to, um, to, to try and make the conversations easier. But ultimately, you need to, within yourself, know what it is you want to do, where you want to get to, and work with people who are on that same path. That's that is amazing advice. And we've been well, we were talking last night actually about awful clients and what how we would approach those conversations. I'd love to know from you, Carl, what would you do if you were in a situation you're like, this is not working, we are not meant to be together uh, with the clients. Um, how would you approach that conversation with them? What, what would you do? Yeah, sure. So the um the very first thing we do, and this is kind of going around the question but it, it does form part of the answer um but i'm i'm warning you that it's going around the question so that you can bring me back on topic if we go too far off but we make sure we take on the right client in the first place because if we take on the right client we cut down the risk of having to get rid of them you know um let, let's say it will go from um one in five we'll need to get rid of to one in 50. so we make sure we get the right client but we also make sure that not only are they the kind of people we want to work with we make sure they're the kind of people that the team want to work with. Um, but we also, as part of that, we allow them to self-select their service. So um, we work on a um, on a basis of giving them you know, three options of where they can work so that they can choose the right one for them. The powerful thing about that is they say no to the other options. That's the powerful thing. So they've already said at the time they come on board, we want you to um, do the accounts, tax return and tax planning, but we don't want a virtual FD service, for example. And that's great because then we know what the expectations are because they could have gone for a virtual FD or they could have gone for just filing. So we know where they sit. Um, and that's, so that's the first thing is make sure you get the right clients, make sure you know where you sit with them. If you then still get to the um, sticky situation down the line, where you've got a client who's um, in the market that you want to serve, they've chosen the services that they want for you, they've, um, you know, everything feels right and the relationship just goes wrong, then it's a really unfortunate position to be in. Um, the way that we identify those clients is we allow our team to identify them. Ultimately, it has to be the person, whether it's you or whether it's a team member who has the most dealings with that client. Because one of the traps here as you start to scale your business is that the client might be as nice as pie to the managers or the owner, but might be absolutely awful to the people doing the work. So it has to be the ones who have the most face time who make that call, not the ones who are looking solely at the numbers rather than the people. And once the decision's made, all I would say then is it's like um, employment as well. You have to address the issue as quickly as possible. And it is uncomfortable. You know, and again, it's another area that needs confidence. But if you have confidence at the start, you've got you're less likely to have to rely on it at the end. Um, what we typically do is if the relationship's broken down and it looks like it's salvageable, we will have a um, a very frank conversation about how it can be salvaged. If it doesn't seem like it's going to be salvageable, so this would be instances of clients being abusive. This would be incidents of um, clients trying to be fraudulent, going against our ethics, or just not working in the way that we do, or being totally um, unresponsive. We would address it very quickly, very firmly, but it's a letter that basically says, see you later. And depending on where they're based, we might recommend them to another firm that we know. Um, I probably shouldn't have shared that one, should I? But yeah, we would we would recommend to them. You know, you might want to go to another local accountant if they're if they've got very specialist needs, and we can find a specialist that works for them. 
we will um, we will make that job of them leaving as easy as possible. So not only will we show them the door, we'll open it and take their bags out for them. Um, but ultimately, that's yeah, that, that's the kind of mindset that you need to have because if you don't and you allow these um, more negative clients to um, overtake your life, uh, unfortunately, they will become your next boss that you want to move away from. And your business won't be fulfilling and you won't enjoy what you're doing because let's be honest, none of us go self-employed or set up a business for an easy life. None of us go self-employed or set up a business for um, the luxury of sitting on a beach 24 hours a day because that doesn't happen. None of us go to it to become an instant millionaire because that doesn't happen, despite what all the gurus might tell us. The reality is we tend to set up our own business so that we have control and that we can control who we work with and so on. And the moment we let go of that control is the moment that we lose those benefits. Wow, absolutely. I think that what you're saying about your next bad client becoming your next boss is so powerful to help you make that decision at the beginning as to whether or not you're going to take this person on. And um, and I explained last evening how I had a client that I ended up having to get um, the police involved with and to safeguard my house because he offered to set fire to it. Um, wow. That's how, but having that kind of experience has made me go forward and be so sure and listen to my gut. And if my gut's saying this isn't right, mm. Mm. I um, I do not go forward. Also, um, I, I'm Facebook friends with all of them and I... And I make I do that because it's a protection mechanism because I want to see what kind of person they are when they're with their friends, what kind of things they post about. You know, I wouldn't take on anybody that I didn't stick with my values and didn't, you know, wasn't because as well, like you rightly said, Carl, they might be nice as pie to me, but then if uh, they might they might be disrespectful to my staff. And me and Zoe said actually we find it easier if somebody is horrible to our staff member to um, to actually get rid of them than if they're horrible to us. Um, but we do need to protect ourselves as well. And um, we used to call them vampire clients because they used to suck the lives out of us that mm. we, you know, we just felt like, oh, my goodness. And then uh, so it's been a bit of a learning curve over the years of how to deal with it. So I thought dealing with it when they came on board, I never thought I could, you know, when you said, this, you know, no is a full sentence as such. I didn't realize that I had no in my vocabulary. So I used to take them on, but just charge them up front a large fee. And then when they paid it, it still wasn't worthwhile. It still didn't matter. I've seen this in the comments as well. And I just want to, um, to pull that out. You know, there is talk of doubling the fees, tripling the fees, quadrupling the fees for um, clients you just don't like. I'm not a believer in that at all. Because if someone's a nasty piece of work, they're a nasty piece of work. And um, life is too short. You know, I mean, it really yeah. is. We've, we've gone through COVID. We've realized that we've only got one life. Um, we've got to make the most of every hour that we've been given. And quite frankly, if there's a client where you just, you're just repelled by their personal views or, um, or, or like you said, Joe, they're threatening to burn your house down. Or even if they just shout at your team members. Um, you know, it, it, let's say let's say you times their fees by a hundred, okay, and you agreed that it's going to be a hundred thousand pounds. Well, if they're a bad paying client, they're not going to pay you a hundred thousand pounds anyway. And if they're a nasty piece of work, what you're going to find is 
but they're going to be even nastier and they're going to treat you even more like a slave because they're paying £100,000 for that benefit. So um, unfortunately, I, I guess it's the case of any toxic relationship. The moment that you identify as toxic, the best bet, even though it might hurt you financially to begin with, is to move on and find something that's right for you, right for your team, and ultimately right for your business. Yeah, Zoe, um, you need to unmute yourself. You're not going to do your best work if you're working with somebody like that because you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to like being with them. So they're not going to rave about you as a brilliant bookkeeper or accountant anyway. And that's not really going to help you in growing your business. Let's mm. talk about the positive side of it then. So let's talk about how we can let in the... So we've ident I really loved what you said about what sets you apart. I had to write it down because this is like... It's almost like a three-step process. Like what sets you apart from everyone else what is the thing that is your superpower convince yourself is step two convince yourself of that know that about yes. yourself and absolutely convince yourself and live it um and then convey your superpower because then you're going to be able to attract the ideal clients that you you want to work with who you can do your best work for and you can deliver the service that you're really good at and you're confident at and you know there are things that come up and people will ask for things and we'll be like ah haven't come across that before but the thing we have to remember is we know where to find the answers. That's why we do all of our training. We don't have to know everything off the top of our head. We will know where to look or we will know who to ask. And that is, yeah. we can be confident about that. How, what would you, what are your suggestions? Like, how do you make sure you're attracting your perfect clients and the people that you really want to be working with? So we don't have to be like getting rid of all of our old clients. I'd love all the clients we don't yeah, want to work sure. with. How do you bring the great ones in? So there's um, there's a few parts to this. Um, I, you're absolutely right. Once you've got the idea of your perfect client, so um, you know whether it's a niche market, whether it's just the kind of person you want to work with, that's great. I would actually double down on that, and I would design what I call a client avatar. And this is a really common um, concept in marketing, but actually I think this concept goes um, beyond marketing. It's throughout the client life, and it should impact the way that you deal with them day to day. So. Not only would you look at you know what size business they are, what industry they're in, but you might even go so far as um, you know what age are they, what gender are they, where would they go on holiday, what car would they drive, if they were to buy a new handbag, what handbag would it be, um, you know what pen would they write with, all of these things. You would really go deep into the psyche of your buyer, and um, you're not going to find that exact person. But what you're going to find is that your marketing and operations and the way that you do things will talk to that kind of person. So you've designed the kind of person that you want. You've um, you've understand what your value is. You understand what your uh, what your USP is, your superpower. You also understand how you can make an impact into their business. Um, what do you do then? You know, at that point, you should have convinced yourself that you're the right fit for them. You know, if you've designed every bit of your marketing and operations to 63-year-old um, um, ladies who are widowed and they happen to drive a Fiat and they go on holiday here and this person walks in the door, you should have designed yeah, – if you haven't designed it, but you need to go back to step one. If you have designed it, you should have the comfort that you've got that right and you should have the com comfort that your conversation – um, will be with a level of confidence and you should have comfort that the services you're going to provide are going to really help them rather than help you. Once, once you've done that, um, I'm a big believer in um, trying to, uh, not, not using sales tips and tricks and so on, 
but um, making sure that you ask the right question, so effective question into sanity check, but what you believe is what they want is actually what they want. Um, so you go through that process and there's far better people than me to talk about this stuff, but um, effective questioning, really eliciting what the problems are that they've got in their business. And then ultimately at the end of it, making sure that you just, you believe in it when you have that final conversation of, do you want to become a client? Oh. It's as simple as that. You know, looking, so looking at them for whites of the eyes. Um, mm -hmm. There are some tips and tricks you can use if you're uncomfortable to do that. Um, if you are uncomfortable, you know, one of the old car salesman tricks that we all know of is um, to say, oh, I just need to check with my manager. Yeah, mm. you can always if you feel uncomfortable, you can always manufacture a decoy situation like that to um, to try and buy yourself some time or breathing space. You can use props as well. Um, you know, there's ways that you can use props to try and have that conversation. Um, but ultimately, it's about just truly believing what you do and knowing how it's going to benefit that customer. Once you've got that, then it, it becomes easy. So what I, I, I love this and I did exactly that, Carl. I've got a one page and I've still got Sophie West, aged 42, who watches crime dramas on Netflix with her husband, her two children. They live in this house. I've got exact, I know Sophie West inside out. And, mm. um, and it really did help me. But what also helped me that next step on is what I did was I wrote out where Sophie West now is in her business, mm. what her pain points are, how she feels when she wakes up in the morning, how she feels when she presses that bank app in the morning yes. what does it when the phone rings from her clients how does she feel um when she gets when she realizes it's the end of a month and doesn't know if that's her vac water or not all of those things that she's feeling I, I write i wrote them all down all of those pain points and then i wrote what could i do for her what would i do for her how would i start off with her what would be my first steps and kind of wrote the system of everything that i would do to help her out and once you've got that, you've got the A to B, the transformation that you could create. And then, right, how would she feel after she's had a month of my services? Yes. How would she feel after our first meeting when she knows that I'm going to look after it all and she can then not feel all those pain points anymore? All she and needs to do is talk to me, communicate, and we can get through this. And it's quite, um, it's also quite tricky because um, that's one side of, there's another layer to this as well, which we often as accountants and bookkeepers don't even think about, you know, so we've got the layer of understanding what it is that they want so that we communicate and we say the right words and um, we naturally build a rapport. Um, but often we're guilty of forgetting that um, humans are, and, and it's a it's a book title that I'm going to quote, predictably irrational. Um, you know, we are all over the place, aren't we? And we all make buying decisions in very different ways. Um, you know, some of us will make buying decisions based on price. Now, the reality is that for many bookkeepers, accountants, um, for all of the um, all of the ways that we've done things, you know, charging by the hour, um, you know, looking at um, how big a business is, how long it's going to take, it's all based on price. But that's only one way of determining the value to the customer. The second is another financial one, which is the financial value to them. But then we forget that there's emotional triggers too. So if we go back to the, um, you know, the what handbag analogy, 
does this person buy a Louis Vuitton bag or do they buy a um, River Island bag or Topshop or whatever? You know, what, what value do they place on that? And then taking that one step further, is that for external or internal validation? You know, how are they motivated as an individual? Um, do they fly business class or economy? Again, you might have some people who will buy the cheapest possible bag, but will will fly business class because they want to queue jump. They want to be. They want to feel special. Um, there's all different things, and you need to really look at why they make the buying decisions that they do. Um, you know, when they go into um, Apple, for example, what iPhone do they buy? Do they buy the 64 gig, the 128, the 256? Um, when they go into Starbucks, do they buy the small, medium or large? Um, you know, all of these things you need to think about when constructing what the perfect offer is for them to then allow them to self-select where they sit in that process. So the problem is this stuff sounds like from a planning perspective, it would be really complicated. But do you know what the amazing thing is? As I touched on very briefly earlier, we've got the very best pricing calculator between our ears. We know this stuff intuitively. Okay. We know when somebody sat opposite us, we know what they should be paying for it. We just struggle to get those words out because version one of us comes along and says, Joe, I'm going to save you £5,000. I absolutely guarantee it. And it'll cost you £2,500. You know, do you want to do you want to sign here or would you rather just send me an email to confirm? You know, presumptive clothes, all of that. Um, and that's confidence bringing out there. Zoe, well, um, yeah, I'm pretty pretty sure I can save you this and it'll be yeah, 500 pounds. Um, totally devalues the service. Unfortunately, that's what it all comes down to. And as I say, it's something that does come easy to me. So it's really um, difficult to break down, I guess, the processes that I go through. Um, but all I can say is it is practice, practice, practice. It's speaking to people. It's um, making sure that you um, you plan for it thoroughly with that avatar. Um, there's a saying that I love, which is that if you go into a knife fight, bring a gun with you. Um, yeah, make sure that you do that in terms of your preparation. But then by then, you should have convinced yourself so much that the conversation should be so much easier. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. One of the things you said earlier on is it's about the confidence in delivery. And that's that comes from repetition, which is mm. difficult. Like Joe and I have said that we, we were saying this in our group, actually, a couple of days ago. Um, sometimes we think people think we're on a different level. We're not. We're exactly the same. We've been through exactly the same challenges. Joe and I are just really good at Facebook Live because we do this all the time yeah. and other people don't do that. Um, so I think how, what can we say to people who are new to this and aren't confident yet at the delivery like where do they what can you do and i know you i know you so, confidence isn't a, isn't a challenge no, for you it comes yourself. down to it comes down to practice 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 you know um there was a book i um it was about table tennis i i can't remember the name of it i think it was called bounce by matthew side possibly um and it was about the ten thousand hours of practice that are needed to really hone your craft and unfortunately to become as slick as you might want to be in a sales meeting, you might deem that being um, an expert in sales is below being an Olympic table tennis player. But actually, to get to that level, it takes you 10,000 hours. So it's about practice. It's about accepting that things won't be perfect in the early days. Um, unfortunately, and this is a harsh reality, um, there's no magic pill that can fix it for you. 
you know, if you take boxing, for example, um, and just for those who are listening now, you won't be aware of this, but we were having a chat earlier about boxer size and so on. But if you take boxing, um, you could buy the very best gloves in the world. Okay, I've no idea what they are. Lonsdale, RDX or whatever. Buy the best gloves in the world. Okay, you could go to Anthony Joshua's coach and he could show you how to throw a jab and how to throw a right hook. Okay, I can guarantee you that if you go into the ring with Anthony Joshua, you will get knocked out probably within five seconds. I know I would. So you can have the best tools. You can have, um, you know, you you can have the best training and so on. But unfortunately, it comes down to that 20 years beforehand of being punched in the face until you're at the point where you can go in the ring and know with confidence that actually you're going to walk it with no problem. And it is just building up that experience. Yeah, there's nothing that can, there's no quick, there's no quick way of getting past all that experience. There is, you know, I have, I have felt the fear. If I feel fear, I think most days, I push myself out of my comfort zone, most days in one way or another. And I've just got practiced at that. It doesn't mean I don't feel it. I just know at the end of doing something that I'm not going to die. I'm going to be all right. And if they actually say no, if a client says no to me, it's okay. Do you know, I've had lots of experiences recently and I do something which I know not everyone does, but after I've had a sales call, for me, it feels really much better um, for me to say, um, and, and they're all going to see how I do a sales call this evening because I'm doing that live in the group. Um, but I, I say to them, look, this is what it, this is what it is. We've discussed the scope you want, you know, say you've, they come to me and it's it's too expensive for them and they say, oh, I can't afford that. It's okay, well, let's, let's strip it back a bit. Let's see what you could live without and still have, et cetera. And then I say, I'm not going to chase you up on this. I'll send this over to you now um, and check. I actually send it to them at the point and make sure that it's actually turned up in their inbox because you don't want it going to junk or whatever. Yeah. And then I leave it. And for me, that feels good. I'm happy mm. with that. And for me, it, it just... It means this. I don't give myself that extra pressure, um, and I don't. And actually, to be honest, it means that it proves them I don't actually need them. I feel yes. like less needy. Yes. But what's happened recently? Because I'm now coming up for two years. In the last three weeks, I must have had five that have come back to me from two years ago, and said, "You know, I still need you. <laughs> I still, I, and I'm kicking myself." that I didn't make the decision back then because I could have been so much further on. Mm. So, and that in itself, I hadn't realized that that was a sales strategy because they were watching other people, you know, and still watching me because we're Facebook friends. And this is, that is the other strategy. I don't disappear from their minds when they become, when I have, when they, I've had today a message that said, Oh, someone I know is raving about you straight away. I add them as a friend on Facebook. I check them out, put me in for sales call and then if that sales call doesn't go how I want it to go, it's fine because I'm still in their minds because I'm still in their newsfeed. So for me, that is my strategy. But it means it gives me more confidence to do the sales call because I know at the end I'm not going to do the big sell. So I'm much so much to unpick here, Joe. And um, I'm going to try and unpick some of it, but I might not remember all of it. But you're absolutely right. You need to have the nose. I mean, um, A lot of us are more scared about this stuff when we're first having client meetings. So we've either started our business or we're just going into a new market or so on. And again, using the boxing analogy, 
I'm sure that Anthony Joshua can remember the first time he was hit in training when he was seven. I'm sure he can remember it, but I bet you he can't remember the 10,000th time he was hit. And as you build up more and more, you realise, but unfortunately, rejection is part of life because you've defined for yourself who your ideal client is, what your service is, what you're prepared to tolerate, what you're not prepared to tolerate and so on. And um, first of all, to, sorry, just to dismiss the nonsense about not having a target client and going for anyone and everyone, every single business in the world has a target client. Waitrose's target client is different from Asda's, and they are both bigger than any of our businesses, probably all of our businesses combined. So from that perspective, it's a good thing to have that target and to to truly understand that we, um, you know, we we don't necessarily serve everybody. Um, once we've got that absolutely clear in our mind, and we know that yes, the first couple of times we get hit or get told no to, it's going to be painful. But actually, there's plenty more in there. We need to remove the scarcity that we all fear. We all worry that it's going to be the um, potentially the last new prospect that we're going to speak to or that next month's going to be a tough month. But there's six million businesses out there. And the reality, I hate to share it, but I feel like we're all finance professionals. We're all in a safe place. We can share it here. We being in this group and talking to each other are in the top 1% because most are just ticking along doing what they've always done and not looking to improve. Um, the world of bookkeeping and accounting isn't necessarily the most mature of business models when it comes to things like customer service and um, delivery and so on. So actually, we are pretty good and we will have people come back when they come along, they um you know, they, they think we're too expensive or they think we're not quite right or they want to go to someone a bit closer and then they come back in a year's time because they've made the wrong decision. Um, the other thing I would say, Joe, I just wanted to pull out the fact that you mentioned they're coming back to you because you stay connected with them. We touched on authenticity earlier and um, that need to be yourself. And one of the amazing things that I've seen um, finance professionals in particular embrace over the last couple of years is to truly embrace their own authenticity, who they are, and for their work persona and their home persona to be one and the same. And you must not underestimate how powerful that is. We are rapidly heading towards uh, an automated world where our, we won't get into a taxi with a taxi driver. We'll be in a self-driving car. Um, we'll have our takeaways delivered where I'm going to a restaurant and meeting the waiters and waitresses. We'll watch Netflix where I'm going to cinemas. We, we just won't see people, won't have that human connection. That's the one thing that we can really excel at as finance professionals, given that people don't trust their finances with any old Joe off the street. They really want to make sure that it's somebody they trust and um, that they respect the person and like them and so on. If we can double down on that personal relationship by just being ourselves rather than at nine o'clock on Monday morning, put, you know, putting on our work version of ourselves and, you know, that formal tone of voice and those emails that we write with stupidly long words, but we'd never use in real world situations. If we can just be ourselves and have that human to human connection with our prospects and our clients, stuff will just happen naturally. And confidence won't even be something you need to think about because you'll be dealing with friends, not, not dealing with clients. And, and being yourself could be your superpower. Mm. Like just being the true authentic you is something that, like you said, that most professionals in our industry don't do. They do put on the 
and I'm, I'm so guilty of it. I was the same. I used to wear the specific clothes and do the specific thing and try and pretend I didn't have three children and a dog and a husband that I was trying to deal with around work. You know that, oh, yeah, I'm free. I can be here just for you. Now I'm honest and say, you know, and if like and now with my clients, the other um, a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't very well. And I just let them know in my client group that I have on Facebook, you know, sorry, I'm, gonna, I'm not very well. I'm going to have to cancel the appointments today. But, you know, we'll they, they send me flowers. They say I need to rest up. I work too hard. I'm like complete opposite to how I used to be treated yeah. when I had clients that weren't my ideal clients that I acted professionally with and thought I was being that real professional person. They didn't value that. So actually just being yourself is your superpower. <laughs> It really, it really is. And it's amazing the impact that it can have. You know, I'm sure that we've all in our history, um, whether in our own business or when we've been employed by people, we'll remember those people who've sent us presents or um, written us a handwritten card or, you know, have really taken time to think about us as an individual. And you really should pull that out and pat yourself on the back for having that cracking relationship with that client and taking it from what is a very painful um, commodity, cost-driven experience for most and actually making it into a friendship, a relationship of equals, a relationship of, of respect. And that only comes about when you've got that true connection with them, when they see you as a human, not as a number cruncher. And, um, you know, I, I remember back when I was training, probably, um, God, I don't want to admit how old I am now, but yeah, probably 23 years ago, um, I remember that, you know, I had to wear a shirt and tie and all of that stuff. And my boss at the time, Andrew, lovely guy. Um, but he, he said to me, if you ever turn up to a client meeting like that, you're, you're going to get sacked. Um, and it was because the old accountant turned up and he was in a T-shirt and jeans. And he, guess what? He was friends with the client. He just had a conversation with them and it just came naturally to him. Um, and that's the view that many people still have today. But actually, you can really differentiate yourself from 99% of the competition by just being yourself. Because, you know, they say be yourself, everyone's taken. That really does apply here. And I can't help thinking as well, Joe, like what brilliant marketing, but just being connected with them on Facebook and being able to like give them that proposal and then just stay connected with them. And Mm -hmm. they just see you being authentic and being yourself and they get to learn who you are. So maybe they weren't ready at that point to sign up. But over that journey, that year or however long it's taken them to get back to you, they've still been watching you and they're seeing what you're doing and they're building the trust and they like you more and more. And they're like, oh, yeah, OK, I'm ready now. That's amazing. And we can all yeah. do that. Whether you want you, we don't we were saying this last night, we don't all want to be Facebook friends with everyone. I'm not great at mm. being friends with lots of people on Facebook, but I do connect with people on Instagram or LinkedIn a lot. And it does mean that you can just keep that. You know, that could be one of the first things you do if you have a conversation with someone go and connect with them on LinkedIn or wherever it feels appropriate because then that connection stays amazing amazing um and it's it's a market it's it's all what I call the marketing web um and and we're kind of um I guess broaching into personal branding here but uh, you know hopefully this is relevant for the audience please somebody shout at me in the comments if it's not but um the marketing web it's so hard to define how powerful that is I mean I do the same so I scrapped the whole idea of personal Facebook and business Facebook ages ago. You know, I had personal Twitter, business Twitter, and so on. It was just a nightmare. I was flicking between accounts, and what would happen was I got added by somebody who was in the industry I was working with. I served on a board as a non-exec director with him, 
Um, he added me as a friend. It wasn't really a client, so I accepted. Then a client came through, and it was like, oh, do I do I accept them or do I send them to my business page? And then floodgates opened. Um, very simply, if you're going to say something on your personal Facebook or Twitter or whatever that you don't want your clients to see, then do you know what? There's a really simple answer. Don't say it. Full stop. Because um, as they say, um, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but what happens on Facebook is shared with the world. So once we once we get comfortable that our clients want to see the personal version of us, we want them to see the personal version of us too. It's a win-win relationship. Then we can really work on building that web. And as you said, Joe, the example of being connected on Facebook after you meet them first time, that's amazing because from a buyer's perspective, the perception of value erodes over time. It's just, you know, it's a fact that if we look at um, time versus value, the relationship starts up here. It might go up ever so slightly at the start and then it drops down over time. That's why every accountant or bookkeeper loses their clients after five or 10 years because the client has forgotten the reason why they signed up in the first place. They've forgotten how much they were wowed. They've forgotten why the client, uh, why they were made to feel special, all of that stuff. And it happens with gyms, it happens with anything that you spend money on regularly. So whilst they're at that optimum point, it's a great idea to connect with them. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, all of those. Get connected with them, get to know them and remind them that you're there. And in fact, that's what then drove my PR and speaking and so on and so forth was that if I could stay front of mind with that marketing web, it all links in with each other because I might put a speaking slot up on Instagram and somebody who's seen me speak two years ago might be motivated to then go again, listen, and who knows, it could just help improve that relationship. The challenge with it is that we tend to focus on these things as bookkeepers or accountants. We look for the short-term ROI, okay? What did that hour of connecting with all my prospects on Facebook do to my new clients? Did I get a conversion rate of them? What's the new fees that I've bought in? Would I have been better spending that time stuck on Zero or QuickBooks or Sage and adding up the numbers? No, you bloody wouldn't. But unfortunately, we don't tend to look at that bigger picture, which is when we build that web and we've got our prospects and our clients in it, they can't avoid us then. And when it comes to um, wanting advice, and it might not be today, it might be in two years' time, it might be in five years' time, it might be in 10 years' time, when they want somebody to give them some financial advice or just say, look, I'm thinking of changing my bank, who should I go to? Well, they will go to you first of all. And the moment they go to you rather than their existing bookkeeper or accountant, that's when you got them. Absolutely. That is that is so right. And and, and it that happens so much when you because it's so easy they're there they're thinking about it and they can just message me facebook message me mm. and i'm answering them and then they all of a sudden think why am i paying someone when like joe's so accessible and you know and i've had people said oh i wouldn't want clients wouldn't want clients messaging me that's because you've got the wrong clients yeah. that is just because you've got the wrong clients when you do when you set it up right and all your clients are lovely um you know and uh, and what you're really trying to get is raving fans. That's yes. what I'm aiming for. I want my clients to be raving fans. And um, yesterday I was on a client call and she said, oh my goodness, the group, I'm part of a beauty salon uh, membership group. And then they've, it's called Gold Club. And then they've got Diamond Club with all the ones that pay a lot more a month. And it's become a thing that basically, if you're in Diamond Club, 
I'm your I'm your bookkeeper and finance director. And so when they I don't even do any of the marketing. As soon as they got all the women in the group all like you need like first step being in Diamond Club, you need to have Joe. So it's become um just it's just become amazing. And because and they're all is- like, Oh yeah, she's my Facebook friend. So just add yeah. her. And that is so powerful then because now we're moving on to hub and spoke relationships, which are the most powerful way to build your practice. Um, yeah, making sure that you've got one central relationship and then you get the referrals from there. Um, I've built my entire business on it for, and we now got about two and a half thousand clients. So Joe, that works 100%. Um, but look, yeah, those people who, going back to what you said at the start, those people who don't want their clients contacting them out of hours. Well, do you know what? I would be honored if one of my friends phoned me up and I was able to help them save a few grand or um, or do something that could really help them. I want to help them. So why wouldn't I want to do that for my clients? Oh, it's a really, it's really interesting when you put it like that, because if, because they're, the reason they're reaching out to you out of hours is because there is a real problem that they need to mm. understand. And, uh, and yeah, it's an opportunity. And if it was like your sister or something, you would be you like, would do it. Yeah, you, would bend, you, would, you would bend over backwards. And that's the, I guess that's the difference between come, looping right back to the start, the difference between strong relationships and toxic relationships. So if you can make sure that you've got the right relationships at the start, you've worked out who you want to work for, what you want to do for them. It's a relationship of equals rather than a master and slave relationship. Once you've got that right and you're prepared to walk away if the relationship's wrong, it then becomes so powerful. And don't believe anybody. You know, there will be so-called business coaches and experts who will say that can't be scaled. It absolutely can be scaled up. There is nothing stopping a human-to-human business scaling. You just employ more people like you who want to work in the same way that you do, with the same culture, the same ethics, and so on. You you, you just make sure that that goes through your business rather than trying to systemize the hell out of it. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's something that actually, you know, me and Zoe are working on at the moment about how I can help more one to many with the beauty salon owners, because it's it, there are so many of them and they're coming and I, and I really, really hand on heart want to help them. And some of them can't afford my services. Mm. So we're trying to come up with a solution that I can still help still add value. And, um, and there's definitely ways of doing it. It's just, you know what we're doing things. Me, I mean, me and Zoe chat all the time, we come up with new ways of doing things all the time. And we're doing things that are outside of the box at the moment that aren't being done in our current you know in our current industry and how people they're still there are still I mean I still deal with accountants that um are um don't touch the cloud Mm. you know they don't they're not using and 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 I'm thinking well we're so past that but and exactly and that's what I love what you said Cole if you're here now watching and listening to this you are in the top one percent absolutely 100% you are there because so many people are just doing things the way they've always done it um and um, my mother-in-law she's been she's been working she's been the uh, bookkeeper for many many years and for her upgrading to sage was the thing she was using the books when I when I she's trained me a little bit she was using the books um so she's using sage and um I was trying to explain to my son who's 17 and now our apprentice why nan has to back everything up <laughs> and um and stream down the data files and he's looking at me like why would you do that and i was like hey listen there's, a, there's a fantastic thing you can do for any children if, you know for those of us who have a certain age um you know who are you know let, let's say very early millennials or older um if you can go to your kids and show them the save icon 
and ask them what they think it is. Yeah. <laughs> because they, they don't, they've got no idea what a floppy disk is. My nearly two-year-old asks Google every day to play the animal of the day. Like, you know, the, 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 these kids will never know a time where you can't ask Google the answer. That is yeah. incredible, isn't it? <laughs> Um, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to something that you said quite early on in the discussion, which I feel like we're coming up to an hour, and I appreciate some people have taken a lunch break to join us today, and um, I don't want to take up too much of your time, Carl. Um, but you mentioned, you know, you mentioned that we can attend all the workshops, we can listen to all the training, we can read all the books. Confidence comes with actually applying this stuff. So there's loads of theory. And this is something that we're doing this week. We've got loads of sessions. We're talking about everything you could ever dream of, I think, confidence-wise. We've been doing money mindset. We've been doing imposter syndrome. We've just done this amazing session that we didn't expect to happen, I think. And we're doing all sorts of stuff. What can you do if you're sat here this week and you're hearing all this stuff? How can you feel confident to take this forward? What what should be your next steps? So... I, I don't want to undermine the whole week. However, something is going to resonate with somebody. You know, some something will do. And we've, um, yeah, you know, I'm sure all of the guests who are speaking have got different voices and different approaches to this. And um, there might just be a sentence that works for you. When you get that magic moment, when you have something and it really resonates with you, and you think, yeah, do you know what? That's what that's the disconnect that I've had. And everybody will have a different disconnect as well. Once, once you've got that disconnect, go away, explore it, go deep on it, work on whatever you need to work on to improve, and then do whatever you can to practice, practice, practice. That might mean giving up the rest of this week and just trying to hunt down people in the street to speak to. It could be as simple as that. Um, but ultimately, all of this information is useless if you don't take it away and act on it. And if the inspiration takes you this moment or tomorrow or Friday or whenever, the moment it does, make sure that you embrace that and take the first step towards it. Um, because otherwise, this will be a very entertaining week for people tuning into Facebook Lives and listening to it all. But I can guarantee you that Monday, it'll just be back to normal if you don't do anything differently. Oh my goodness, that is so so true. And, and I don't want, we all I, know. I won't, I won't wanting to undermine your whole week, unfortunately. But <laughs> if, if that inspiration hits, just go away and apply it to your business immediately, Absolutely. and mm -hmm. it will be, um, yeah, that will be the very best use of your time. Absolutely, In absolutely. You know, inspiration can take you so far, but implementation and actually doing the work is what we all need to do. And when I say doing the work, I don't mean doing the bookkeeping. I mean, doing the work on yourself, doing the work on your business and actually taking action, daily action, pushing yourself through that fear barrier, feeling the fear, doing it anyway, you will grow, grow, grow. And that's how your business will succeed and how you will have the work-life balance and the business you've always wanted. Amazing. This has been an amazing session. I feel like I've learned so much myself. I've, writ I've written loads of notes down, Carl. Thank you so much. All, all good things, I hope. It's all good stuff. All good stuff. Um, okay. I wonder, would you be able to tell everyone how they can connect with you and find out more about what you do? I'd love to hear about Boss It again. I'm sure people would love to go and look that up. 
Yeah, sure. So um, who am I? What do I do? And where can you find me? Well, I'm on all social media platforms as at Cole Reader. That's going to be the easiest way to find me. Uh, my latest book, Boss It, is currently charting in WH Smith's. So uh, you'll find it there and it's in Waterstones and so on and so forth. So Boss It is about controlling your time, your income and your life. It was originally written as a business startup book, um, but the draft was completed on February the 24th and then coronavirus hit. And I realized when reviewing the first draft, that actually the techniques apply to pretty much everything, not just new businesses. So, of course, I'm going to ask you to go out and buy that in your hundreds. But um, but yeah, go out, check the book if you want to at Cole Reader. That's the book. Um, I tend to speak at a lot of conferences and uh, do a lot of webinars, um, columnist for the national press. So, um, yeah, feel free to follow me and I will ram all of that stuff down your throats. <laughs> and do you know what? My, my son was so impressed because he was like, he's got a blue tick. And I was like, yes, he does have a blue tick. Do you know what? Um, so, so yeah, I can, I can empathize with that. My stepdaughter loved me for about a week after my blue tick and was tagging me in every single Instagram story. And, you know, she wanted everyone to know that she knew someone with a blue tick. Um, but now I'm just embarrassing old dad again. Amazing. Oh, amazing. Wow. Well, um, we have got abs like absolute famous, the most famous person in the accountancy world on our podcast today. We'll be telling everyone about it. Um, Cole, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And um, I hope everyone goes and gets a copy of Boss It. I, I still need to read my copy. I have a copy. I'm going to I'm going to get around to reading it. Um, Great. Well, we're going to be back this evening. Let me just remind everyone what's happening for the rest of the week. So we're live every day at least twice a day in our Facebook group, the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club. This has been recorded as part of Bookkeepers Bootcamp. We're also on YouTube if you're not on Facebook and this will be on our podcast later on today as well. Um, tomorrow we're going to be back for, uh, we've got seven sessions tomorrow and then we've got two sessions every day for the rest of the week until Sunday. Um, tonight, come and join us because at eight o'clock we're going to be talking to Jo about her actual sales process. And I think this is something uh, that a lot of bookkeepers really lack confidence around we had an amazing confidence session last night and a lot of the comments were coming up about how do you approach that pricing conversation how do you know whether this is the right person like the ideal client how do you avoid those like scary clients that we've been talking about earlier on in our conversation today so we're going to talk about joe's actual sales call process and then we're going to be talking a bit more about the bookkeepers six month success program which is our course for bookkeepers who want to start and scale a bookkeeping practice we're going to show you behind the scenes tell you about the bonuses that are included some of them are amazing i think they're all amazing but um we've had some other chats in the facebook group today i just want to you know go into detail about what some of those are if you don't know about it so eight o'clock tonight it's the place to be in the six figure bookkeepers club thanks for joining us we will see you later thanks everybody thanks everyone don't forget to join us every week on the Bookkeepers Podcast with Topical Bookkeeping Chat. Why not join our free Facebook group, the Six Figure Bookkeepers Club, or visit us at sixfigurebookkeeper.com.